Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, Hawks fans. It's your boy Bryce Lewis back at it again for another Believe in Hawks episode. Episode two here as we've just got this podcast going right off the ground. Like I said, it's your boy Bryce Lewis. And today's episode it's a bit of a reflection it's about a big a bit of a throwback here actually it's um we're gonna reflect we're gonna talk about why the hawks are where they are today so i'm gonna go back through these last couple of seasons and try to kind of maneuver what has kind of went wrong what you know what issues arise why certain issues may have happened and why that is where the team is today also, uh, I just want to go ahead and give a quick shout out to DeJounte, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young. Birthday was Tuesday of this week. By the time y'all hear this, it's probably on Thursday. It'll be a couple of days past. So shout out to them. Shout out to the backcourt of the Hawks. And then also John Collins releasing a, a Instagram post earlier this week, reflecting on his time with the Hawks, giving his official goodbye to the Hawks faithful going to break that down and reflect on John Collins here in Atlanta remembering him as a Hawk as he starts his new uh, part of his career in Utah so that's the type of show we got for you guys today uh, actually got some pretty decent content from that uh, quick pointer uh, if you're a Hawks fan open practice is coming up here for the Hawks uh, you know obviously media day I think is also next month and then I think later that month, open practice also will happen. I believe open practice is on October 9th at 7.30 p.m. Definitely go out there to State Farm Arena to see the team. Guys, go ahead, report back to me of what you've seen. Obviously, the interactions you'll have with players, et cetera, et cetera. So very exciting time uh, as we get closer and closer to basketball. I believe the Hawks play in like 20 days, I believe, or so are close to that so really exciting time so that's why we're getting you ready getting you geared up for the season here on the believe in hawks podcast so let's go ahead and get into it so as we all know the hawks have been a very embattled team the last couple of years i think everybody and their mama know that for the most part um a lot has happened from coaching rumors to unhappy players lack of development and lack of leadership and lack of a lot of things and I'm kind of sitting here thinking about it all and kind of think where did everything start to go down and we're going to start this the year after the Eastern Conference Finals here we will make some references and throwbacks to that but it will start Nick McMillan's first full year as the Hawks head coach and it really started that offseason after that playoff run. Nate McMillan got his staff in, his full staff, his system in. One thing about Nate McMillan that some people were hesitant about was that his past as a head coach, he wasn't as successful. He's always been a coach who's been known that he may be good enough to get you to the playoffs, but he's not good enough to really get you deep into the playoffs. There have been some players who have been drained, tired, worn out by him. Um, obviously, especially because the NBA has changed, you know, we're entering a new age um, in terms of NBA. So offenses, the way you play the game has changed. And, you know, people said Nate McMillan struggled to to adjust to that. And I think it started then. 
people had so many expectations for the Hawks going into that year and after the Eastern Conference Finals. Team thought they were going to win. Team thought they were they were going to make it back. And one of the hardest things to do in this league is to make it back once you've made it. It's hard to get back to the finals. It's hard to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because the same reason why you might have went the first year may not be the same. There may be something you need to change, clean up, improve, or get more talent or something to get you back to the same place. And then the things that may have cost you that first or second time, do you correct that next time? Going into the season, that first game, I remember it. Dallas Mavericks. Team looked great. People thought, wow, we're going to be really good this year. People had high expectations. But then... The season went on, started noticing some issues. COVID was a big deal there in this time, so we had COVID issues too. And, and you kind of noticed some stuff. Um, Nate McMillan was very hesitant to play young players. That was, I think, a mistake. Um, we didn't know Cam Reddish was disgruntled. Um, you know, and, and, and it just, the team was very inconsistent. Right? It just seemed like something wasn't right with the team. Just something was not sitting right. Trey Young coming out saying that he doesn't care about the regular season. There was just a lot of things happening that was just like, what is going on? This isn't what the expectation was. And the season went on, and we were basically around 500 the whole year. I think we were below 500 a lot of the year, especially when COVID hit us hard. And we made a run at the end of the year to get into the play-in. We got to the play-in and beat the Cavs, beat the Hornets in the play-in. And we were able to get in. Trey Young had a masterful fourth quarter, I believe, in that Cavaliers game to get us into the postseason. Right? Um, So we, we had that. After the season, we lost in five games to Miami. Miami smoked us. Miami dominated us. I mean, Trey was terrible. Like, and everybody was questioning, is Trey that guy? Is 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 what's wrong with this team? You had such inconsistent performances from Kevin Herter. Um, you know, it just there was like we couldn't defend that well. Like, there was a lot of issues that we had. And people were trying to figure out what was the problem? What was the problem? What was the problem? And one of the biggest issues I felt like th- that year that really stood out to me. Was was Nate McMillan, and this isn't just a crap on Nate McMillan thing. This is there's a lot of other issues, but I felt like Nate McMillan was the core of a lot of those problems because of this. One thing I always said about that team after these kinds of finals is this, and this is something people wanted to overlook, but you can't. You do realize the majority of the players on that team were 22, 23, 24, 25. You're asking that group of players, your core group of players at that age, to basically do what you did last year against teams who are battle-tested, who have veterans, older, experienced, been through the grind for multiple years, not just one year, multiple, and be better than them, just because you're better than them, right? And when you have a team like that, you got to be willing to teach, coach, develop, because that's they're not polished, they're not finished products, they're not done at that age. They're not like this team is, you know, this is what they are. 
there was so much teaching and learning and growth that still needed to happen. And Nate McMillan did not provide that. He did not believe in providing that. He is a coach who, who coaches as the players need to figure it out themselves. My job is just to put you in position. And that's why I think when you watch the Hawks, one of the biggest issues with this team was how inconsistent they were. It felt like they would always start hot and then they would just go cold, especially in fourth quarters. The ISO ball was, was not good. Trey ISO, bogey ISO. And you're like, what are we doing right now? There's no flow. There's no rhyme or reason. Nate brought up something talking about we would sometimes do some random play. And it just was like, what, what is going on? Like, 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 is there a leader in this locker room? Like, what, what is going on? And then when they lost to Miami, Nate McMillan made a comment about wanting to play Trey off ball. Right? They were like, yeah, we want to play him off ball. We want to play him off ball. So then my next issue was, so you have a coach who's not innovative. What exactly is playing Trey off ball going to do if you're not innovative of a coach? That sounds like he was expecting Trey to figure out how to play off ball, not him putting Trey in position to play off ball. Fast forwarding to the day, just for a quick moment, Quinn Snyder has already made a comment about Trey playing off ball this offseason. But there is more of a trust and belief that he actually will have a plan in place for Trey Young to play off ball so he can be effective. One of the biggest issues with Trey that next season under Nate was he was not effective at all playing off ball, which is why they acquired DeJounte to do it, but they still didn't actually have a plan for Trey when he did it. So when you have that, what exactly is being improved? What exactly is continuing to grow, right? So, you get into the next season, you'll be a trade for DeJounte Murray. You know, you have Jalen Johnson. Like I said, he didn't play. He was hesitant to play Jalen. He doesn't have a plan. I promise you, Nate McMillan did not have a plan for Jalen Johnson. You got your A.J. Griffin that next year. He didn't have a plan for A.J. Griffin. That's one of the biggest issues I think I think I had with Nate was that you're drafting these young, talented players and you had no plan. You had no plan for them. So how are they going to develop if there's no plan in place? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you have all these young players, like I mentioned, 23, 24, 25 on your team. You know, they need to be coached, developed to reach their potential or at least attempt to reach their potential. And you're not doing it. So then you're getting inconsistent play from guys like DeAndre Hunter. You're getting inconsistent play from guys like Jalen Johnson. You're getting inconsistent play from just Kevin Herter when he was on the team. Because we saw flashes of, oh, wow, they can actually be really good players, but we could never get that on every given night. And, and the question was, why? Why couldn't we get that on every given night? Are they just not? Because sometimes here's the thing. Sometimes the player just isn't as good as thought. Sometimes the player just isn't committed to the game. And so this is not all on him. That I mean, listen, this year we're going to figure out with DeAndre Hunter, was it Nate McMillan and his lack of development, or is DeAndre Hunter really who he is? Like the Hawks are, are taking a chance on DeAndre Hunter coming into the season saying, we want to see him under Quinn Snyder for the entire year, or at least up to the trade deadline. With his coaching, his coaching staff, you know, we gave him a plan on what, he, what we want him to work on. And then we will truly see, okay, is DeAndre Hunter what we've seen? What is is that who he is? Or is he better? And he just had no one to unlock it. So then, you know, you get into the next season, right? 
add DeJounte, excitement. Ooh, Hawks, yeah, we got our second point guard, second playmaker. We'll be good to go. Still was inconsistent. Just completely inconsistent. Obviously, what was worse about last year was the fact that we lost games to Charlotte by like 30, 40 points. Or we would be in games. I think we lost to Charlotte by like 30 or 40 points, I think, at some point in the year. And then also we were getting into shootouts with Charlotte where there was like 150 to 140. And this is like one of the worst teams in the league last year, Charlotte was, with all the injuries that they had. And it was like, and then the Houston game, everybody remembers the infamous Houston game. Trey and DeJounte going off. We were up like double digits and we blew it. And we blew up multiple times the teams that year. And it was, and again, it still felt like we were just playing random. I always said I felt like the team had no plan. Like the team had no, it just felt like they were playing basketball. I felt like they would play well in the first half, but then they would make no changes or adjustments. The team would adjust. And then it was just a matter of can the Hawks just stay hot. If not, they'll lose. Because they weren't good enough defensively to stop anybody, as we saw last year. So the Hawks basically were in a situation where they had to score or else they wouldn't win games. And I just felt like Nate McMillan, and and we had the rumors come out with Nate and Trey not getting along. We had rumors that Nate wanted to leave. He wanted to resign, and and the front office said, no, don't resign. And there's just all this drama came out last year. Just all of everything. And then they eventually let go of me. And people were like, oh, Trey, Trey is a coach killer. Trey, Trey, you know, all that. And I was like, if y'all remember when Nate McMillan was fired, I think it was during the All-Star break, I think. Yeah, it was. When he was fired, who was the player who actually spoke on him? Who was the player who actually spoke on Nate McMillan? It was John Collins. He told the media he wasn't the coach for us. He literally said what I kind of knew and what a lot of people knew. He was not the coach for this team. What they needed for this team was not him. And I think everybody knows that. He he just was not the right guy for the job. You had the run, but in the realisticness, it's like you're a lot of teams, there's a lot of front offices are so caught up in the now. And don't think the future. You know, like, future-wise, is Nate McMillan best for this team? And the answer was no. But they were thinking about, but we just made an we just made a uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So, yes, he's right for the team. And Nate always made interesting comments. He's like, the game's changed. Players are not what they used to be. It's like all these hints were dropped about what he thought, right, of the team and everything. And that was interesting. That was just very, very interesting to me. So transition to the end of the year, you hired Quinn Snyder. Crazy move is who hires a new head coach to coach, like literally in the middle of the season. At that point, kind of over the middle of the season. And, you know, he tried to run his stuff. Um, And, you know, players, you know, talked about how basically it was almost like they were going through training camp during the season when they could practice. Because obviously one of the biggest issues with in-season NBA is that you can't practice as much. Oh, because you're traveling all the time, things like that. So, um, that happened. And one thing the the Hawks wanted, I, I, I think I remember what they wanted. I remember at least two out of three things they wanted. There was a tweet. I think Woj sent it out about what they want from the head coaching search. 
They want development. They want accountability. And the one I'm going to stick on here is development. Something I've mentioned already. When when Quinn Snyder came in, what happened? Jalen Johnson got more play. And we were able to see Jalen Johnson with more play, and we really could kind of see what he could have became or what he can become, potentially. And I think that's why so many people are excited for Jalen Johnson this year because of that, because we were actually finally able to see his skills and he was given the green light. One thing about Nate Mill and Trey made this comment actually about how guys were not given the green light before. So guys are hesitant. Guys were nervous to kind of let loose because they were not given the green light. So that told you under Nate McMillan, he was not instilling confidence into his players. Some guys just need confidence. I know you got people out who just think you should just do it. Just you a player, just do it. Like, no, because at the same time, if you play out of your role, that can get you on the bench. So you kind of need your coach to say you're good to go to do it. And Nate never did that. He never instilled that into the players. It was basically Trey Younger bus. And then that's what led to the problems that popped up. And so for me, you know, you saw that, you know, and you saw, I said one thing I noticed when I watched Quinn Snyder play, our coach was, I felt like when he, when the Hawks played, there was a plan. There was a plan. Like I felt like when Nate McMillan coached, it felt like they were just kind of playing random basketball. With Quinn Schneider, there was an actual like plan in place. Golden State, John Collins had like 16 in the first quarter. Why did he have 16 in the first quarter? He said, we can attack their interior. John Collins can take advantage of it. Let's attack it early. And they took advantage. The Miami Heat. I remember the two games set they had coming out of the All-Star game. I don't think they were the first team. I think they were the second and third game. He said, Miami's weak in the interior. We need to attack them in the paint. Hawks had like a bunch of points in the paint. They're in those two games because they knew we can hit. We can, their weakness is the paint. Let's hit them in the like. There was like you see, there was a plan there. They actually uh, had a plan to attack Miami. I never felt like with Nate Millen there was a plan in place. I never felt like there was a, a an, an an actual game plan of like how we want to attack this team. With Quinn, it felt like, hey, there's a plan here on how we want to attack so-and-so, how we want to play so-and-so. I mean, shoot, he had Trey Young playing defense. Trey Young, you know, people have been so critical of his defense and obviously has physical limitations, but he was playing defense. He said, Trey, use your quickness to play defense. You can't, you know, obviously this man-to-man guard someone straight up, but you got quickness, you got quick hands, you got quick feet coaching how can i maximize this okay i know what your weakness is but how can we make it not as big of a weakness what can we do to help you be better in that situation those are the things that elite teams have you know what i'm saying you heard steph curry and clay thompson say it mark jackson created the foundation to how to win steve Kerr was just able to able to elevate it you gotta have a foundation the Miami Heat always said about them what made them so great and why they've been surprising teams is at the end of the day, regardless if they have 60 wins or 40 wins, they are a defensive team and Jimmy Butler goes off in the playoffs. That is the case 
regardless of what's happening with that team. They will play defense, so you will get into ugly, grinded-out games with them, and Jimmy Butler can go off. They had an identity. What was the Hawks' identity last couple of years? Did they even have an identity? No, they didn't. What, what, what were the Hawks known for under Nate McMillan? Nothing. Golden State, defense and threes. Sacramento, they play extremely fast, up and down. Miami, defense. The Bucks, defense leads to offense. And then Giannis. You, you, see what I'm, you see what I'm saying here? The Nuggets play through Joker, ball movement, versatility. What, what, what were the Hawks? They weren't a good three-point shooting team last year. They weren't a good defensive team last year. I mean, Clint Capella is limited offensively, and John Collins was relegated to a three-point shooter, so they really weren't a great interior team last year. What 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 was their identity? What 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 were the Hawks new like? Regardless, if we are the best team or the worst team, this team is going to do this. They didn't have it, and Quinn Snyder was brought in to create that culture because Quinn Snyder in Utah was get up a lot of threes, play defense. He like he says in his in his post game pressers, he said, "I want them to pass, drive, or shoot, and it needs to be quick decisions." He wants to keep the defense going because then the defense is constantly having to move, constantly having to work. He does not want the ball to stand still. When the Hawks would, would lose leads with Quinn Snyder last year, first half they would move the ball, second half they would become a standstill. And he would say it in the post game. We did what we were supposed to do in the first half. I don't know why we stopped in the second half. Because the Hawks had developed a lot of bad habits under Nate McMillan. And that's not something you can just change into three, four, five games. And like I said, you barely have practice, so you can't practice it out of them enough. That's why I think a lot of people are excited going into this year because you have the coaching staff, that teachers, developers. You have a whole training camp now to work on what you want to be. you know. And obviously, as the season goes on, you will continue to improve it and refine it, but training camp is where the foundation is being placed. You And now that you have teachers and developers, now you want to know, how good can Jalen Johnson truly be? How good can A.J. Griffin truly be? Could DeAndre Hunry be better than what we expect? Is Trey Young going to take another step? Is DeJounte Murray, could he be better? Is Ayaka Okongwu going to take another step? I'm naming off multiple who's like, you feel like they might do more now this year because of what we have, because of Quinn Schneider, because of the system. He's told them, this is what I need you to get better at, and then this is how I'm going to use you when you get back. Plan is in place. Nate McMillan never had a plan. So then you would see a team on the floor who you could tell there was no plan. It was just play. And hopefully Trey go off and other guys play well. A lot of hoping. A lot of just, well, we're going to see what happens. So, to me, going into the season... That's the reason why, because I remember seeing an article, I think they were talking about, I think NBA is doing like a 30 teams in 30 days. And they talked about how Kyle Corver and them want to stay with kind of basically the roster outside of John Collins being traded and see what happens. And, and people may have be like, oh, why are we doing that? We're not good enough. We know we're not. You know why? Because I always use this example. And I'm not trying to say we're about to go to the finals. So 
immediately if you say that on this comment, you're clearly not paying attention on this video or, or whatever you're listening to us on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to listen to us on. If you if if you sit here and think about it, all they hired was Ime Udoka and added Al Horford that offseason. And they were a finals team after getting eliminated in five games by the Miami Heat the year before. Why was that? Because he's Ime, even though he he's a freak off the court, Ime Udoka established a culture. We're gonna play defense and do it at the highest level. And then we're going to have ball movement, and we got two of the best one-on-one players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on our team. And we got multiple guys who can shoot threes and support. And now they're a finals team. Is that a coincidence? He developed guys on that team. He helped guys reach their potential. He maximized their potential so they could be that team. Because that's what you have to do as a coach is maximize your team's talent. It maximizes your team's things. People always talk about Kevin Herter. Well, what if Kevin Herter was on the Hawks when Kevin Herter was going off for the Kings this year? They said, oh, if we only kept Kevin Herter. If Kevin Herter was still on this team with Nate McMillan, he would not be that name. He would not be that Kevin Herter. That's a fact. We've seen that. With Quinn Snyder? Yeah, I think Kevin Herter could be what we saw in Sacramento for sure because he would have a plan for Kevin. Okay, let's get Kevin off screens. Let's move him around. Let's, let's make sure he gets some good looks. Let's try to make sure. Plan. There's a plan in place. And that's something that may define this team. Listen, I could be saying all this, and this team still comes up flat and inconsistent. And that's very much possible. Because like I said, I'm saying all this, and it sounds great, probably. But we won't know if it actually hits with these players till we get them on the court. And we see them in regular season action and see what it actually turns into. But at least it feels like there's more of a fighting opportunity for that instead of, let's just hope that the Hawks turn it around. Let's just, let's just hope that things get better. It's like, all right, I think there's a plan in place to, to for this team to be better. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can actually pull off what they want to become. There's a vision in place. Quinn has a vision of what this team wants to be. He wants to get up a lot of threes. He wants quick decision-making. He wants good defense. We're going to see if those things improve this year. You've got guys like Jalen Johnson, big breakout year potentially coming. Ilyaka Kongu. Big decision on him coming in terms of contract. Shadiq Bay, he has a big decision coming up. Got to talk about um, AJ Griffin eventually in a couple of years. Got a big contract coming up. You know, we, we 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 know. And obviously, here's the thing too: like Hawks could also make moves in the season. Don't think that this roster currently is going to be what the roster is after the trade deadline. There's there's a reason why there's a trade deadline. You kind of see what your team looks like and then make a decision. All right, who do we need to move to make this team better? So guys like Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter might be brought up again in trade talks. So don't forget that. That is definitely something that can very much happen and be possible. So, you know, I I just wanted to reflect a little bit on that to where they are now. You know, and and it kind of just opened up the discussion of like, okay, what do y'all think this team is going to be? Are you confident in the regime? Are you confident in Quinn Snyder? Are you confident in the coaching staff? That's kind of the question here. I have confidence, but I have to see it play out like we all do. We all have to watch the game and see, does this end up working out? And we'll know when we get to that point. Moving on, because I obviously took a while on that one. (laughs) John Collins. Thank you, Letter, on his Instagram. 
to Atlanta. One thing that caused some pause for some people was he mentioned about his growth being staggered or stagnant. Some people wondered, should he have said that? Let me tell you about John Collins. I was a guy who supported him. I was not a high, I hate John Collins guy. Because I, 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 I know the situation he was put in. He was the number two option with Trey Young his first couple of years in the league. He averaged 20 and 10 on great efficiency. That didn't just happen by a fluke. You know, he actually, like, you actually have to be somewhat good to do that. Trust me, you do. When we got that Eastern Conference Finals team assembled, you got to understand the, the Hawks added more options. They added more players that could take shots away from John. And then also that changed the way they played. So that would change the way John Collins plays. John Collins was used a lot during those 20 and 10 seasons in pick and roll. He was big in pick and roll and post-ups and then could hit the three. When we added guys like Bogey and Gallinari and, you know, all them, what changed was his role. He wasn't. And the role he was previous to that, he was able to grow because he was able to kind of show his game. Like, we always talk about it, like Cam Thomas on Brooklyn sometimes and other guys. Some of these guys can play, it's just they don't they don't get enough playing time to truly show you what they can do. And they're not being used sometimes correctly when they do play to show you what they can do. Same thing I said about Jalen Johnson. Give the man some, some a green light, give him some playing time, and let him grow. Let him make his mistakes and grow and get better. John Collins had that early in his career, but when we started winning, that changed. He had to start trying to be effective in different ways. And that can be tough because he didn't know what his role was going to be going into that season. And I think especially when Nate McMillan got there, it really changed. It really changed what this team was going to be. He now was asked to shoot more. One good thing under Lloyd Pierce, at least, is that they did still use a lot of pick and roll, and he was still able to take advantage because he's a three-level scorer. He can score in the paint, he can score in the mid-range, he can score in the three. So you, he was much more of a threat offensively in that in that pick and roll than a lot of other guys. But he had to change his role, you know? He had to change what he was doing. He couldn't just be the same guy. And it showed. I think he averaged 18 that year, and then the next year he averaged 16, and then this past year he averaged like 13, 14. So he still averaged like 18 points. I could be wrong. He averaged 18 points or whatever. 18, like 9, I think, 18 and 8, which is not bad at all. But everybody was talking about, oh, we going to pay him this much. Well, by that point, it was kind of tough. Like his role was changing, but at the same time, like, you know, he you, you can kind of look at him as a hit. And the draft, so it's like, you know, and you may think, oh, I mean, this deal isn't that. Like, to them, they may have felt like the deal wasn't that bad at that at that time. Obviously, this is under the previous regime before Landry Fields, Kyle Corver took over, right? But then I think as the years went on, his role continued to, to, to basically diminish, which then means if your role diminishes, how much better do you expect that player to get if his role is diminishing? Like, be honest with yourself. 
how much do you really expect that to improve? It's not going to improve a lot, realistically. Honestly, he might regress because of that, and he did. And I think that's why he said in that post, my growth was stagnated because he was like, I can't be a better player than what I've showed you because I'm not put in position to. Y'all made it seem like y'all wanted him just to take the ball from Trey and just give me the rock and let me start dunking on folks. I'm like, it's not how that works because then he's not playing within the offense. He's just, he's just playing to play. And then if he misses shots, y'all going to be pissed off. So either way, y'all going to be pissed off. So it was like some people didn't really give him much of a chance to succeed in his in their mind. And now he's in Utah. He seems happier because I think Utah has a plan for him. I think he knows he'll have, have more role in the offense. I don't know if John will ever become 20 and 10 again, but I mean, he can still be a guy who could give you 16 and eight, which is still solid in the NBA for a power forward. He can still hit a three. His three percentage went down last year, but you never know. It might bounce back. We have no clue. This man was playing through a lot of stuff. He played through injuries, had the finger injury. Obviously you have all the off the court stuff. All these things can affect you. At the end of the day, man, we try to make it seem like these players are supposed to just act like nothing happens because they make a lot of money. And I'm like, no, like we're humans. If crap goes on, like that will affect you like anybody else in this world. And I think it affected him. And that's why you saw the John Collins that you saw. But John was still a guy who tried to be the best teammate he could be. He was a guy who always tried to have fun, jokes. He was a guy who always tried to uplift, who tried to lead, who tried to do everything he could to be a great teammate. And that's the type of guys you want in your locker room. You should never say, I don't want that in my locker room. Sometimes I feel like people don't want good locker room players. They just want players who can play well in the court. And I'm like, all right, y'all going to be mad when the, when the team hates each other. And then y'all going to be like, well, y'all need, need to suck it up. Like, Or you could actually get high-character guys in there who can help. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm just saying. Literally, I'm just saying. So, John... I will always appreciate what he did here. He set a foundation under that first part of the rebuild. He, him and Trey was one of the best pick and roll duos in the NBA during that time. Uh, he got, gave us a lot of highlights. I remember he dropped his Baptist line. Guy, I still have my shirt. Him dunking on Joel B. A lot of people had that shirt. He did a lot for Atlanta. He loved the community. And that's the type of guy you want. And, you know, I, I wish him the best in Utah, for sure. I want him to be successful. I want him to play well. You know, and if John balls out, I don't want to hear people saying, well, why did he do that here? I'm telling you. How are they using him? What is his role? What are they asking of him? Then I'll ask yourself, if he was still here, would we do the same? Now, listen, he could be, but, I mean, there, there's that possibility. I always like to always mention that because there's a chance. I'm not going to sit here and make it seem like what I'm saying is absolute because it's not. But John, John will, I'll always appreciate him, man. You know, he, he did a lot for this team. He was a part of those that run that used to come He was a big part of that. And now we're moving on and guys like Bay and, and Jalen Johnson now have an opportunity to take that and run with that and grow and continue to, you know, be, be, bigger um and i'm curious to know what that will look like 
So wishing him the best, man, in Utah. Wishing John Collins the best. And looking forward to the season. Like I said, we're getting close to Hawks basketball. We've got open practice, training camp, preseason games coming around. So a very exciting time. And I'll have you cover your boy will have you covered going into the season. Like I said, when the regular season starts, we'll get to two episodes a week. So I'll keep you updated on all things Atlanta Hawks throughout the year. But until then, we'll start it. We'll try to stay consistently dropping on Thursdays. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast on our podcast, Amazon, Google, Spotify, leave a review. Uh, you know, hopefully leave five stars, four stars. Uh, leave a good comment. Um, you know, if not, you know, hey, everybody's, you know, everybody's, everybody's piece of tea. So, you know, and if you're listening on or watching this on YouTube, definitely subscribe. For all Hawks content, if you've also looked at my page, I also have Falcons content. And like, comment, tell your friends about the pod. Need something to listen to in the car? Need something to watch? Uh, you know, shoot, I don't know. Girlfriend could be pregnant. You be having a baby. Shoot, you want to watch basketball? At least keep you updated. I, I'll help you out, man. I know this pod can be a big part of your life in different ways. So if I can be a part of that, man, I, I'll be glad to, man. So excited for that, man. But yeah, like I said, man, we're getting close to the season. Excited to see what happens. And everything. Also, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brycey underscore 2K. You can see it at the bottom of this screen if you're watching me on YouTube. But for my uh, listeners through audio, it is B-R-I-C-E-Y underscore 2K if you want to keep up with me on there as well. But that's really all I got for you guys today. It's your boy Bryce Lewis signing out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.